Hey, this is Adam White. I'm the pastor of New Beginning Assembly of God, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and our hope and prayer is that this podcast inspires you, builds your faith, and lets you know that God cares and He loves you. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk about tonight being an overcomer. Amen? Being an overcomer. And what we're going to talk about is really found in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Amen. First Samuel chapter number 17. Um, if you want to go there, you can. I'm going to be referencing some scriptures and everything for you to go in and look at it. Um, but it's a very familiar passage of scripture that I that we have read when I was a little, little boy. Amen. And so we're going to talk about again being an overcomer. As members of God's kingdom, we're called to conquer the barriers between who we are and who God wants us to be. Amen? There are, if you think about the obstacles, the things that you face in your personal life, in your spiritual life, in your family life, financial life, whatever you have, there are two things. Amen? We're called to conquer the barrier between who we are and who God wants us to be. Amen? The enemy constantly will fight us on those two things, who you are and who God wants you to be. Amen? The book had told... had mentioned a, uh, a movie that was back, it was made in 2016. I did not get to uh, watch the movie. I had heard that it's really, really good, and I was going to play it for y'all, but I thought, ah, uh, but, um, but it's called Hacksaw Ridge. And the story is based off of a character named Desmond Doss. And he is, this is uh, not fictitious, this is real, a real person by the name of Desmond Doss. He volunteered um, in, for World War II, but he was a very devout and religious man, and he said that he would not carry a gun. And he wanted to be in the medic squad where they, he can help people, but he wasn't going to carry a pistol. He wasn't going to carry a rifle. He said he just did not want to do that. He didn't believe it. And so during his time in the training, people really ridiculed him. They made fun of him. They did all kind of horrible things to him. Well, story goes that he goes to this mountain area in Japan. I'm not going to because I can't pronounce it, what it was called in Japan, but it was known by the American troops as Hacksaw Ridge. And I know there's a lot more to the story, but one of the deep things and the deep meanings about this movie is that he would go to the battlefield where everybody was hurt or dead or very badly injured and he would go to these people during the fire, during the shots, during the guns and the cannons going off. He would go and look to see if there was somebody that was alive. 
And he would check to see if they're alive. And if he would, he would grab them and carry them at the very edge of the mountain and with ropes would lower them down to help them and to save them. Folks, there was times where he would go to a body and they would be dead. And then he would go to another body and there was someone alive. And he would tell them that I've got you, buddy, I've got you. And he would go to this and he would crawl with their bodies and all of that to that mountain to get them to safety. And one thing he always said was, Lord, just help me get one more. He would get a body, and every time he put them to safety, he'd say, Lord, help me to get one more. And I saw a little bit of the movie clip on that particular scene, and he's got ropes, and he, I mean, his hands are bloody with blisters and all of that tired from carrying the weight of so many people. But he kept saying, Lord, just help me get one more. Amen? There was an obstacle that he had to face. There were some things that were against him more than for him. And he went and he was determined and said, no matter what, Lord, help me just to get one more. Just one more. Amen. Our goal in this series and in this book is to come over from where we are today and to flourish as the person God made us to be. Amen. To be an overcomer is to come over. <laughs> You've got to come over things in your life that are holding you down. The more and more I began to thought about this study, the more and more I remembered what uh, Sister Shoots would say sometimes. And it would be about, you know, she would say something and would say, oh, you know, you're held down. You've got stuff holding you down. Bondage that's holding you down. Weights that are holding you down. I remember preachers would used to preach that. Oh, you've got things on you that are weighing you down. And as believers, I believe that that's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't think that's how we're supposed to live, that we come and we're weighed down with so many obstacles and things that we face. Amen? And we come and we say, God, you got to just help me. you got to move. you got to do all these things. Amen? We are to be over comers, to overcome, to come over some of these obstacles that we face. Amen? The obstacles we must overcome fall into three main categories. Sin, the sin nature that we have. The world, the temptations of the world, and the devil, who he himself <laughs> is, uh, is an obstacle. <laughs> There's no uh, exclamation of that. But folks, no matter how long we've been on this Christian journey, no matter how long we've been on this road heading to that new Jerusalem, we still are faced with this sinful nature, the temptation of the world, and the devil. Amen? 
Amen. And so we can look at these and say, well, we ain't got really no sin problem. I've, I've been a Christian all my life, and I don't have to do all these kind of things. As I was studying that the Lord told me, and he showed me a vision, and he said, Adam, when you look at a cake, it's covered in icing. And that icing is good. That icing, when you taste the cake for the first time, what do you do? You lick that icing. But the icing isn't the cake. The actual batter underneath that icing is the cake. So he said, you know, that's just like sin. We look at sin and we only see the outer layer. We see these big things. We see, you know, uh, um, adulterous activities. We see, you know, committing a stealing, murder, homosexuality, perversions, all these things in the hour. And we say, oh, that's sin and that's bad. But folks, that's not just all the sin. Amen? It's not just the outer layer. But oh, when you cut that cake, there's that batter. There's that fluffy yellow, oh, I love yellow cake with white icing. And oh, I believe that uh, a little bit, or somebody, uh, Betty Crocker, makes that icing with those little, um, I think it's called confetti. There's a little candy in the, oh my goodness. It's a shameful to say that I could just eat a tub of that <laughs> and not feel bad about it one inch. <laughs> Amen. But oh, that's how sin is, folks. We look at the outer part and as long as it's not in that outward layer, it's going to be okay. But oh, there's gossip. There's having a haughty spirit. There's having bitterness, unforgiveness. There's all kind of things that sin. And if we're not careful, we'll be caught in it. I'm telling you, the worst sin is unforgiveness. That unforgiveness spirit. I mean, I'm telling you, it will hold you down. It will cripple you to have unforgiveness. And the thing about it is, we don't forgive for that person, we forgive for us. Amen? Because, <laughs> let me tell you, that person's just going to go on. But oh, when we don't forgive them and we hold on to those grudges and we hold on to the things that that person's done to us, oh my, it's like cancer. It eats and it eats and it eats and it eats. Amen? And the temptations of this world... Folks, let me tell you something. If you'll not be careful, the, the temptations that this world will have a hold of you. And you know, I'm not even talking about, you know, I don't think we've got a problem if we see a commercial, a Budweiser commercial. You know, I don't think it's tempting us to go and buy a booski. <laughs> or they used to have cigarette commercials. They don't now, but, you know, them, you know, that don't have no hold on us or anything like that no more. Amen. But it's not necessarily, again, those, that frosting, that outer layer, but all that worldview that's contrary to the Word of God. If we're not careful, a spirit of compromise will come upon us. 
and those things where we preached in the Word that said you're not supposed to do or you should stay away, we'll begin to conform and say, well, you know, it's not really that bad and we'll forgive you and, you know, it's, it's all right if you do that. There's no harm. See, folks, we got to be careful because we're living in a world where compromises are being made each and every day, each and every day. And I don't have to talk about the devil. My Lord, that devil, he's mean, nasty, dirty thing. He can't tell the truth. He's a lie, father of it. Amen? <laughs> Each of these things that we face are obstacles. This is what we face today as a Christian. This is what we face that's in our mind constantly reeled in, constantly being tormented, constantly being told these lies, constantly like a big microphone in our mind, in our ears, in our spirit being said. But folks, in each of these three cases, God has equipped us to become to, excuse me, to equip us to overcome every barrier in our path. God has equipped us to be able to overcome our sin nature, the temptation of the world, and to deal with the devil. I'm telling you, folks, God has equipped us. God has given us the resources to be able to do that. And as you look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll start with what we're going to begin with here in our series, the greatest example of somebody in the Bible that was an overcomer, little David. Little David was one of the best examples that, that this author could show us on what it means to be, in, to be an overcomer. Amen? David was a boy and a man who fought a lot of battles during his life. And folks, can I be truthful with y'all? I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel like since I have been born, I have fought tooth and nail to stand here to you to stand here tonight. Amen. I'm telling you, we, I have fought, I have scraped, I've crawled, and you can all probably somehow picture in your mind, and you can experience and understand what I'm saying as well. You fought. Man, it's like you've just fought and fought and fought. That's all you know how to do is fight. But David was a man that fought all of his life. From little on, when he tended his father's sheep. Amen. He, he had to go up against the bear. Then he had to go up against the lion. So many things that were against him. His family even went against him. And even on in life. Man, he, he was a man after God's own heart. But oh, did that boy have to fight. <laughs> he had to fight everywhere he went. Amen? Oh, but it's his first fight, his first real battle, so to speak, that we all remember death, all remember the best. And that's his fight with the giant Goliath. Amen? Oh, Goliath. 
You see, David found the strength and courage to face down his giant. And folks, when we continue on with this series, and we continue on, I'm telling you, we're going to discover how we can overcome these giants that we face. Folks, there's giants that I face every day. They're big giants. Amen? There's giants that you may face every day that it seems like it is, I mean, he's just been there and you are constantly having to knock him down, but he comes back up again, don't he? Amen. But oh, I'm going to tell you, we're going to discover how to overcome the challenges in our own life. And this book's going to help us, I believe, with the help, not only with this book, no, it's nice what he said, and it's good what he's saying. But folks, this book isn't necessarily going to help you. It's that Holy Spirit that will enlighten your understanding to understand what he wrote about and to apply it into your life. See, you just can't read it to read it. But oh, that Holy Spirit has to speak to you. Oh, I pray when I read this book, Holy Spirit... Just show me, tell me, what is it that this is speaking in my life? Amen? So we're going to talk about the overcomer's challenge. Amen? The overcomer's challenge. You see, the, the story of David and Goliath is not just a story about a boy fighting a giant. It's not just a story about the underdog triumphing over the big, mighty man that everybody thought was going to win. Amen? This is a story of good versus evil. Of the devil versus God. Amen? Oh, let's talk about our challenges that we face as an overcomer. Amen? You know, I remember my uh, Papa White long time ago. I'll tell you how long ago it was. Callaway, the old Walmart, where they converted it into a storage unit shed, you know. Well, it was a storage unit shed. Now it's, I don't know what it is. Well, you know, that used to be the Walmart. And I remember they had a little cafe there, too, on the side when you walked in a little bit. you get drinks and all that kind of stuff. But my Papa White took me to work. To his work one time and I remember it because when I went there he got me a toy and it was um, a stuffed animal of those three characters the Disney characters Huey Dewey and Louie and I got Louie I said I wanted Louie because that was his name. <laughs> he was green you know they were green blue and red and they were Donald Duck's nephew, and the one was Louie, and I got that one. That was one I wanted. And so it was green, and I thought that was really cool that it was Papa's name and all that kind of good stuff. But as he was taking me to work, he showed me all kind of cool things that what they do in the state's attorney's officer office as him being an investigator, chief investigator officer. And so he would talk about all of these things about profiling, 
And he would tell me little hints like, you know, Adam, it's good not to always go the same way because if you go the same way, you know, people, that's a pattern and people will just, you know, they'll, if they want to do something to you, they'll know exactly where you are. Try to change it up a little bit. Oh, okay. To this day, I still believe that. <laughs> he said, you know, there's sometimes you've got to change your signature and do it sometime where you remember you do this signature like this one day. So if someone forges your signature, well, you know, ah, that's not my signature because on this day, I do it this way. Amen? And then he told me about profiling. He told me you've got to look at your surroundings and look at the people that are around you and focus and study on them. Folks, I believe that as Christians, we've got the, you need to be saved. You've got to get the Holy Spirit. You've got to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You've got to get baptized in water. We've taught all about the good things of our Christian life, but we've sort of failed and what it means to be, what, what the overcomer's challenges are. Hear what I'm saying this evening. We have kind of failed about who it is that we're necessarily against. And I know we can say, oh, it's the devil and this devil, but see, there's much more than just the devil. See, sometimes we have to face our own selves. Sometimes we have to face the one that's in the mirror that's doing more harm than the devil. That flesh, that worldly view. Amen. That sinful nature. Amen. So I want to talk to you about the overcomer's challenge. And let me stop here and say this. Each and every one of you, when you were saved, when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, when you were baptized, you were overcomer. That is not something that you be necessarily become. You are an overcomer. Jesus said in his word, I've overcome the world because I've overcome it. You can. Amen. He was our example. He said it. So we in this room tonight are overcomers. Don't get that uh, mixed up. You are an overcomer. The problem is we have... Uh, never taught or kind of forgot what it meant to be an overcomer. We've just kind of had to roll with the tide and say, Lord, this thing's going to beat me up until, until I go to glory. <laughs> this giant's just going to be around forever. And you know what? One day, oh, some glad day. <laughs> we'll get over yonder and it'll be happy. You know what? I believe in that. And there are some thorns, as Paul said, in our side that we'll have to face. But folks, let's pull the thorns out that we can <laughs> and stop leaving them in our bodies. <laughs> Amen. We don't have to suffer like we do sometimes. Amen. So we're faced with the challenges of the overcomer. And I want to paint this profile of what our challenger looks like. What our challenger looks like. You see, David faced his greatest challenge, which was Goliath. Goliath was from a place called Gath. And if you remember, Gath was the place where the 12 
um, Israelite spies went over and they came back and they said, oh, the land's beautiful, but there's giants. There's grasshoppers that are big. There's grapes that are so huge. There's giants over in there. Gath was known as a place of giants. And so when we look at Goliath and we look at what our challenge is, one of the things we've got to understand is the size of Goliath. When David faced Goliath, he looked at his size. It said in, seven, in 1 Samuel 17 and 4, he was six cubits and a span. And that's somewhere between nine foot six and nine foot nine. How, do y'all know how a tall Noah is? Six five. I went over to Lee's one time. I was giving her something. I don't remember what it was. But I had um, knocked on the door and I waited. And all of a sudden, this door opened, and I looked, and there was this big old kid. And I thought, oh, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> oh, when you look at Noah, he is tall. I mean, good Lord, he's tall. And when, you know, that's bad when you got to look at him like this. <laughs> My neck kind of creaks a little bit. But man, think about, he's tall. But Goliath was taller than him. It said that Goliath is even taller than the tallest man recorded in the Guinness Book of Records today. Some character over in Asia, Asia Minor, somewhere around there. Taller than that. Amen? Oh, my goodness. See, that size was so intimidating. Can you imagine? Because, see, I found this interesting, too, and I forget about this, but King Saul... He was tall. It said that Saul was as tall as shoulder tall. Like the people would stand up to his shoulder and he was a shoulder length taller than everybody else. And he, that's a pretty big man, you know, to, you still have to kind of look up. But Goliath was taller than him. He was a big guy. But folks, not only that, not only did David have to face the sight of Goliath, or the size of Goliath, but the sight of Goliath. See, he wasn't just tall and skinny. No, was tall and skinny. He wasn't just, Goliath wasn't tall and skinny, but he was very intimidating. He was a huge man who they said, scholars said, was probably weighed between four and five hundred pounds. But not only that, there was a scholar, uh, I didn't get a chance to, I'm not going to get a chance to read it to you, but he described all of the armament and all of the things that wrapped, that was on Goliath. He wasn't just tall to be, he was already intimidating by being tall, but they made him even more intimidating because of all of the things, the swords, the shield, the spears, the weaponry, the iron, his helmet, all these things that was on him. So he was tall, he was big, 
And oh, did he have a shout. The shout of Goliath. It's said that he would stand there in the plain. They met on a cliff, the Philistines on this side, the children of Israel on the other side. And I'm not going too much in the story because we know most of it here. But oh, he stood there in that plain and it said that he shouted day and night continuously cursings on, about God, cursings on all of the children of Israel. He would dare shout and say, if you would just come and face me, if you win, we'll bow to you. But if I win, you're going to bow to us. And I found that was interesting because the book even speaks about this. It read that that was very common during those times because people didn't want to just send their armies out to just beat, bash, and kill each other and whoever had the, you know, just obliterate people. But if they were smart, they would send a champion out among them. And they would say, listen, you send out your best man and we'll send out ours. And whoever wins, you know, we'll, we'll bow down to those people. That was very common during those times. So here's the best scenario. The Philistines sends out their best man. But the problem was the Israelites, they didn't send their best man. Because really the best man hadn't showed up yet. <laughs> oh, the size, the sight, and the shout. Said a sound to strike terror into the hearts. He roared loud enough to be heard on both sides of a plane the size of a football field. And I wrote something here that was off. It has the same context, but I wrote something here. But ain't that the characteristics of the obstacles that we face today? The size, the sight, the size, and the shout. Amen? Let me tell you one. Doubt, fear, unbelief, anxiety, worriness, these things that we face, what are they? They're, when we face them, they're big, they're tall, they're a huge deal, amen, and they shout. And I wrote here, too big to handle, too great to solve, and too loud to hear the voice of God. Our, our, our obstacles, <laughs> obstacles, obstacles that we face, amen, the things that we come up against, the Goliaths in our lives, they're not little, but they're big. And you know what? Let me say this. What's a giant for you, Sister Cat, might not be a giant for me, and vice versa. But that doesn't belittle the fact that you're facing a giant. Hear me. That revelation knowledge right there. <laughs> Amen. Just because you face something that is a giant 
doesn't necessarily mean you think it's a giant. And it doesn't give you the right to diminish that person and how they feel. But as us as Christians, we are to go and help those that face those giants and to help them face it. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. That we as a body of Christ, we're brothers and sisters, we're family. Amen. You know what they say about the mob? <laughs> you know, what happens in the family? <laughs> you know, someone's going to get shot. <laughs> Amen. Or hurt when they mess with the family. Amen. I believe it ought to be the same way with us. If somebody is hurt in the family, bless God, we got to rally up and say, bless God, no, it's not. You're not going to face this giant alone. We're going to come up and we're going to help you. I know I'm skipping a little bit, but I want to share that with y'all. The giants that we face might not be the giants you face, but it doesn't diminish the fact that there are giants in your life that you have to face. Amen? And we have to help them. Gosh, I thought about that. His size, his um, sight, and his shout. I think of all the things I face, and I thought, man, ain't that the truth? Laying in bed, and you just see this big whatever it is. Man, whatever your face, whatever is tripping you up, whatever is maybe straining your relationship with God. Maybe there's something that I don't know your face and you're like I face this and it's just this big old woolly booger and I mean he's just big and he's just he's loud and I just can't hardly think because all my mind is about this thing over and over and over and over and over again that's the challenge that we face as an overcomer that's the challenges that we face but folks let me tell you about the overcomer's character we profiled the enemy. <laughs> now let's profile what an overcomer looks like. Amen? Oh, you see, David had a conviction. That's found in 1 Samuel 17 and 26. It was hard for David to understand while no one had taken up the call to defend Israel. Everybody was intimidated. But there was a conviction in David that said, this ought not to be. What are we standing here around here in this man? He's cursing our God. He's saying, he's saying all kind of ugly, mean things about us and about our God, and we're just going to stand there and take it? And everybody looked because they were afraid. And who would blame them? <laughs> Going to get someone that big and that tall and that stout? Man. But David had a conviction and said, nope, this isn't going to happen. And he volunteered himself. Amen? He volunteered himself. Not only was there a conviction in David, but there was courage. He had courage. 
1 Samuel 17, 28 and 29 talks about that. Something happened that reveals the human side of overcoming. A side that hasn't changed since biblical times. When a man or woman decides to be a champion for God, they set themselves up for a lot of heat and criticism. See, we get this desire. Maybe God's telling us something or maybe God's revealed something to us. Maybe God's revealed a work or, or something that's, you know, God's just laid on your heart or, or anything on how to solve a problem. But then when we begin to do it, there's people that come and criticize us. See, when David went and he was looking at the battle, his brother saw him and he got mad. He got mad at David and said, what are you doing here? This ain't none of your business. Why are you worried about, he asked about what does somebody get if they were to beat that giant? And he got mad. Oh, Eliam, I believe, was his name. Oh, he got mad and said, what are you doing here? You got no business here? Go back to, to dad's sheep. Go back. Go back. But David said, but is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? David had to have courage. And that is sometimes something that we lack. Sometimes I lack courage facing things. Sometimes we lack the courage to step out. Sometimes we do step out, but the criticism is so bad that we shrink back in and say, well, fooey on that, I ain't doing that. It's, it's just, it's not worth my time and energy <laughs> to have to face all these things. Amen? I was, you know, you, you look at, um, what's his name? Jimmy Kimball. He has a little uh, night, uh, ABC uh, nighttime talk show that he does or whatever, and one of the things... His segment is called Mean Tweets. And so what he does is he gets these celebrities or baseball players or wrestlers or song or music musicians or people like that that are famous and they read the mean tweets about themselves. Some of it's funny and some of it's of course crude and all of that kind of stuff. But it's funny because there's these people that are reading bad stuff that people are saying about them. And so... I know that that's something that a lot of those people, if you're in the limelight, if you're in a lot of things, you're worried about criticism. Um, there was somebody who told me that said, there's some, I've met some pretty powerful preachers, people that have high offices and fellowships and denominations and all of that. And when they get behind that pulpit, man, a lot, they'll preach the house on fire. And they're good, and my goodness, people want them. But they say when they get out of that pulpit and behind those doors, they, they, they're like stressed out. They worry about what they said. What didn't they say? I messed up. I did. Oh, just this. They lost every bit of courage that they had in them. David had courage. And folks, that is something we have to develop. 
And I wish I could tell you, hey, to get courage, you got to do this. <laughs> well, one thing I can tell you that was found in the Wizard of Oz, the cowardly lion, he wanted a heart. <laughs> so I can tell you the first thing you got to start to get courage is to have a heart. To have that heart that the Lord can break up. The Lord can brash those stony hearts and make it a heart of flesh and say, here you go. This is courage. This is courage. Not only did David have conviction, David had courage, but David had confidence. David had confidence. From the very beginning, David had confidence. When he went and he went to see King Saul and he said, I'm the man, I'm here. I'm sure there was people that mocked and didn't really say. I find it very odd to believe that nobody did to criticize him or say, what are you doing up here? But Saul said, well, you know, and David began to tell him, oh, I fought the bear. The bear come against me. And with God's help, I was able to overcome. The lion came, and I was able to overcome with God's help. And surely, God will give me this Philistine. And Saul said, well, okay, I'm going to give you my armor. My armor is going to help you. And he went to put it out. First of all, that's stupid. Because we already know that Saul was a big character. And so maybe that was a way to intimidate David. Maybe that was a way to say, oh, you think you're so big and bad coming up here? All right, put on my armor then. And you go out there and fight that giant then. Put on that heavy armor. David tried, and of course it didn't fit. But he said, that's all right. I've got all what I need. I've got my confidence. And you notice one thing about David. He never once had a question about Goliath. Never was there like, uh, like a, well, how tall is he? Or where is he from? Well, how experienced is he? How many men has he killed? He never once, nowhere recorded in Scripture, but people told David about Goliath. But folks... David told them about his God. Every time, notice that people told David about Goliath. And folks, let me tell you, that's, that's people for you sometimes. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. <laughs> sometimes we'll tell you, oh, Sister Cat, I'm picking on you today. <laughs> oh, Sister Cat, you just can't do this. I, I, I know it's in your heart, but... Oh, I just don't know about... Do you see how time-consuming this is going to be? And do you see... I, I, just don't want, I just don't want your heart... I don't want you to be disappointed. I just don't want you to be disappointed and have your heart broken because things didn't work out. See, we're just telling them, telling people about their giants, about their Goliaths. But David, when he was told about Goliath, he told them about his God and how big his God was. And all there he went and he faced that giant. You see, he faced him. 
he refused to be discouraged by his friends. He refused to be discouraged. I skipped a little bit, but let me go back. Because you see, how David overcame was through a sling, his strategy, and his shot. See, the sling was all that he had. And folks, God will use what you have. God's not going to say, all right, you've got to go and, and do this. But whatever you have, God will use it. Think about what Jesus said when they were at the multitudes and all that multitude was hungry. And those disciples said, Lord, what are we? you got to send these people back. And they said, go out and see. And they said, there's this little boy. All he's got is fish and loaves. <laughs> That's all he's got. And Jesus blessed it. And it just multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. See, God can use what you have. God can use you what you've got. Not only that, look at this, his strategy. What did David do? The Bible said he ran towards Goliath. Sometimes I'm afraid and oh, I'm guilty when we face our giants we're, a face, we're afraid to face them head on. We can sort of look back and say, God, you've got to help me here. You've got to, please help me, Lord. I, I know I believe, help my, I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord. And I just, I'm dealing with this thing and we just constantly back up. And you would think David would because he had a sling, which was a long distance weapon, but he ran towards him. Goliath took a step towards and David went right there with him. Folks, I hate to tell this to you, but sometimes we have to face our giants head on. We have to sometimes run to the problem. And then David shot. When he fired that sling, it hit him right in the forehead. There was, the book talked about there was a ballistic expert for the Israeli army. And they said that when he hit that sling, when that rock flew out of his sling, he said it was about 76, it hit Goliath 76 miles per hour. You talk about obliterating somebody. You go on that highway <laughs> and the, the I-10 and you just stand there. Then people going 70 miles an hour. Poof! You just be like that bugs that we hit just splatter everywhere. That's how fast that rock flew out of David's sling. Amen? And it hit him in the forehead and you think it just... Uh, that... He, he had to have that helmet on because if he did, it wouldn't have gotten the chance for David to cut his head off because it, it would have blown it away probably. <laughs> but see, David said, I'm going to kill that Philistine and I'm going to have your head. Oh, I'm going to have your head. You know, sometimes, folks, we've just got to be a little violent when we face our giants. Sometimes we just got to say, you know what, that's it. 
you know, we got to sometimes, you know what, just kind of get mean about it. Say, you know, listen, I'm so sick and having to deal with you, depression. I'm so sick of you. You make me sick. I tell you right now, if I could, I'd just cut you right now. <laughs> I'd slice your tires. I'd do all kind of mean stuff to you. I'd put what we used to do at school and get a bag, a paper bag. Cover your ears, mama. And we'd put dog poop in that bag and we'd light it on fire and knock on the door. We'd run and the people would open the door and they'd say, oh, and they'd step, oh, they'd step on that bag and that poop would be on their <laughs> foot. And we'd laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Sometimes I feel like, devil, I just, want, I just wish I knew where you lived. I'd TP your house. Oh, I'd put those, that bag right over there and ring the doorbell and run off. Amen? We've got to be violent, I believe, sometimes when we face our giants. Amen? Amen. Oh, let me tell you something, folks. We have to run towards our problems, not away from them our family problems, our workplace problems, our financial problems. Amen? We've got to run towards them. And remember this. Remember who you're fighting. Who you are fighting. Whom, excuse me, whom you are fighting. Not necessarily David was fighting Goliath. Yeah, he was. He was fighting a problem, but whom David was fighting was God. And folks, when we get that in that, our minds, that it's God who we're fighting for. We're fighting, we're in the Lord's army. We're in the Lord's army. Amen. We're going to fight. He'll be with us. That's what David said every time, like I said, every time they mentioned about Goliath. David reminded, him, reminded them about his God and told them all of these things. While, let me, this is very interesting, and I wrote this, and this was from the book. While change can be hard, new habits are easily acquired when there's great reward for you. It's hard for change, to change. Change your mind, change your outfit, change your whatever. But oh, when there's great reward, people will change. People will do that. And folks, I find in Revelations 21 and 7, and 1 John 5 and 4, that we've got a great reward for us. We've got a good reward for those that overcome. And folks, no giant should be able to hold us down. No giant should ever be in the way that says you're keeping me from my destiny, what God's called me. God's called each and every one of us to do something. No matter what it is, God has called us to do a task. And those giants are nothing there but to block what that is. But folks, I think we just got to be bold enough. We've just got to be strong enough, have enough courage to say, John, you're not going to win. You may come against me, but I'm telling you, you're going to be defeated today. 
We're called to be an overcomer. You are called to walk in victory, strength, peace, and love. And great reward is waiting for us. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's just the beginning of our series here. That's the beginning of what we're going to go to. This is the profile of our enemy and the profile of what it is to be an overcomer. That's the model. And you know, we may look at that and say, well, I'm no way like David. I just don't have courage. I've got problems and I, I just don't have. That's okay. Amen? That's okay. I'm a very visual person. I learn best when I see things. And when we see what we're supposed to be, it's easier for me if someone says, Adam, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to act this way or do this or that. When someone tells me, instead of just hearing a book and say, here, just read this and if you've got questions, come, come see me. Uh-uh, I can't do that. Someone's got to tell me, show me, look at me, instruct me. Amen? This is what this first chapter is about. It's for us to say this is what an overcomer looks like. And this is what our adversary looks like <laughs> that we face. And maybe we're not quite to par with what David is. But that's all right. We know what it is to be an overcomer. Now, when we continue on this study next Wednesday, we'll be able to see how we can become like David and be an overcomer. Amen? Amen. Are you excited about it? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit newbeginningag.com slash gift for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can click the share button to post on any of your social media pages. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.